If I knew you played the ukulele, I'd have you play Somewhere Over the Rainbow for me. No better song on the ukulele. I will do, I will do that for you, David. <laughs> that would be awesome. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life, because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? It's not going to surprise you when I say this, but humans have a predisposition to negativity. I mean, we are way more into the dark side, anger, sadness, pain, and disappointment. And finding joy and gratitude and contentment, even in tough times, can almost seem like an impossible task. And it makes sense because when you think about bad news and sharing bad reviews, it's it's kind of an easy thing to, to do. You know, we're glued to the news these days. We're very adept at sharing a bad review and not necessarily a good one. But you have to cultivate a mindset of positivity. And there's a science and method to this. And it starts with what you choose to believe. As humans, we're pretty darn resilient. The study of neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to change and evolve depending on our life circumstances, proves that, that even in the hard times, that we can find the positive, that silver lining, and make lemonade out of those puckering lemons. My guest today is David Meltzer, and he is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. He formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lay Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. And his life's mission is to empower over a billion people to be happy. It sounds simple, but it's a pretty powerful mission, and it's led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, and that's value. And in all of his content and communication, that's exactly what he shares. He's a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach. He's the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show called Elevator Pitch. And he's the host of the top entrepreneur podcast called The Playbook. His newest book, Game Time Decision Making, was a number one new release. And David has been recognized by Variety Magazine as their sports humanitarian of the year. He was also awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. And most recently at the Super Bowl, David was honored as the most valuable philanthropist. And in this episode of Recipes for Your Best Life, David's gonna share the mindset of positivity and how what we think can lead to quantum happiness. I think it's something you're really gonna wanna tune into and share with everybody you know, because. Lord knows we could all use a big sprinkle of happiness these days. Let's listen.
David, it's so nice to have you on. Oh, it's so great to be here and really looking forward to talking about how we can help the world. Yeah, we are definitely in some uncharted territory right now. And I think this message of mindset couldn't be more important. But what is happening right now is so unprecedented, you know, and I think you can be the most positive person yet feel like just so the time is so dismal. How do you stay positive and how do you keep a good mindset in times like these that are so uncertain? You know, there's five steps that I utilize because number one, I study history and I'm so grateful for my mom who made me study history because she told me human nature never changes. Hmm. And that helped to build a really strong mindset for when time accelerates. Because what happens when time accelerates is that we move the future closer to the present and the future causes anxiety, especially when it's unknown. So you exacerbate the situation by not only accelerating time, but we've accelerated uncertainty. And uh, that uncertainty has huge different uh, things that will happen. And so it becomes sometimes an overwhelming resistance or interference to what you're already connected to, which is, you know, this unbelievable source of life, lessons, love that, that exists, that we're always connected to. So what do I do? Number one thing to do when you're in a time of compressed time, compressed uncertainty and huge change is that we have to take an inventory of our values more frequently, if not every day. So what happened is we were in a great growth period for 13 years. Human nature always forgets what things were like 13 years ago. Uh, you know, we went from having a tremendous amount of savings in 2009 and 2010, 2011. People were saving their money to right before this happened, 75% of the United States could not live off of one month. That's how much saving they had, wow. less than three months of saving. So people really? forget. One month? Yeah, 75% of the United States didn't have enough savings for one month. But we forget. And, and the main thing is that we have to take, when things change, people have to take an inventory of the values. And here's the four values. One, we have to look every day at what our personal values are. This will immediately change our mindset. When we look at our personal values of family and love and health and all these things, it changes your perspective very quickly. Then to utilize the time effectively, we take an inventory of our experiential values. So we start looking at what experiences can I have now that I couldn't have before. Instead of focusing in on what we don't want, we start focusing in on what we do want. We then look at the giving values. I always tell people, you know, you had mentioned this weekend was the first time that you kind of fell into the void shortages and obstacles of negative energy and negative mindset. Look, you know, the best thing you can do when you become aware that the ego-based consciousness is separating you with fear, anxiety, frustration, et cetera, is to go do something for someone else. Pick up your phone, call somebody and say, hey, how are you? Is there anything I can and that's, do? And I did that, by the way. I FaceTimed my daughter. And that's kind of an interesting thing because I think giving of yourself, sometimes people think, well, they have to go out and volunteer. They have to do something noble like that. And truly, like, just reaching out to somebody you love and seeing their face. And I played ukulele for her because I played the ukulele. And it, I literally changed how I felt full circle in just a 10-minute call. So it's so true. You can do that. Well, if I knew you played the ukulele, I'd have you play Somewhere Over the Rainbow for me. 
no better song on the ukulele. I will do. I will do that for you, David. <laughs> that would be awesome. And that is now the fourth thing, which is receiving values. Over the years since I lost everything in 2008 and have rebuilt under a better mindset of values, asking people if they know anybody or anything that can help you, like playing the ukulele of your favorite song. Things like this can make a big difference. So. I you know, highly encourage step number one is to take inventory of your values. I also just say take inventory. What a great time right now to take inventory of what's in your garage, what's in your closet, what's in your pantry, just, you know, as well as your assets and, and other things. You more, we don't have enough time to take inventory and taking inventory allows us to grow, accelerate and move forward. Uh, the second thing we went over is asking for help and asking to help others. You know, it's very, I asked by a series of questions, what, you know, if you're not on your phone, I, I talk about toughness and telephone in this uh, era, tough, you know, you've got to be able to smile through struggle. You have to be tough. Uh, go read Victor Frankl, for example, if, if you want to know tough or study Win Hoff or, you know, some of these other guys, I like uh, Joe DeSena as well with Spartan. There's some tough people out there that have tough mindsets. And what I call, you've got to have a try me attitude, not a why me attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And if you find yourself in the why me, then start to try me and, uh, and ask those series of questions of how you can be of service and of help that'll focus you in on the superpowers that you have and then ask for other people to show you their superpowers. And we get more of those superpowers. Things do not disappear. They're just slowing down. So everything that we can do to speed things back up will counteract that compression of time and uncertainty. Well, and the truth is, you said something very important is, it's not as though we haven't been here before. And maybe it looks different. I mean, coronavirus is different, but it's not as though we have never seen a pandemic before. Why do you think right now people are so much more fearful than maybe what we experienced with H1N1, for example, or MERS or SARS? Well, you know, I think preparation was one part of it. If you really break this down, all of those diseases, viruses, are flus. The thing that makes this virus unique is it requires a certain piece of equipment that is limited. And because we have limited equipment, it therefore will overwhelm our entire medical system. Uh, so what we have to do is separate all the people at risk, which is mainly people that have a deficient immune system or some sort of deficiency and older people. And so it changes this one aspect of supply and demand changes the entire, not America alone, but changes the whole world. Because in essence, if we can't take care of people's health, because we're missing one piece of equipment for one area, it could affect and snowball and roll out into, you know, literally half, if not more, of our entire population being wiped out eventually. So that hasn't really been seen in modern times. And it really hasn't been seen through communication. You know, if you look at where we are disease-wise, you have communication of all different countries in the entire world. So firsthand, we can see Spain and Italy and China. Although the information and data that we're given is not stable, uh, it's still something to truly be understood and learn from. There is so much you can do to stabilize and so much you can do to grow and take advantage of opportunities. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? 
well then you're one of the smartest people I know. Because you're absolutely right, it's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes. And it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab tested. And it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too. And that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. So David, I know this is, you know, this is what you've dedicated your work to. And I think for many people, they want to go along the right steps, but how do you get them started? I mean, really, what's the first step in this mindset of happiness? You know, in order to do anything, especially now, we have to take inventory of our values. And there's four types of values that we should take inventory of every day, especially when we have compressed times of uncertainty or accelerated change. The first is our personal values. So taking inventory each day of what our integrity, character, family, love, lessons, whatever that personal value may be. Secondly, uh, is our experiential values. There's all types of new experiences that we can have, and we need to take inventory. You know, for me, for example, one of the most valuable things of my entire life that I'll never forget, and I've been to the Sugo Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby Breeders' Cup. I've surrounded myself with the most interesting people in the world, but I honestly will never forget about this time that I get the Meltzer family dinners. Uh, since I've been 24, I've never stayed home uh, an entire week. Uh, I've never slept in my same bed the entire week since I've been 24. And to be able to have dinner with three you know, teenage daughters, 21, 18, and 16, with my 10-year-old son, my wife, my niece lives with us now because uh, she needed help. Uh, you know, It's incredible. And, and these, I, I would make a reality show of it, but they, <laughs> they take my kids away. But the experiential <laughs> values, um, <laughs> uh, it would be, uh, people would pay money, trust me. They, uh, and then, then my giving values, right? My giving values have changed and my receiving values, which are obviously synergistic to my giving values. And so taking inventory of our values and knowing that they don't have to be balanced, that every day I can be a hypocrite and I'm allowed to change my values. I'm allowed to expand and accelerate even if things are uncertain. I'm allowed to change all types of different values in my mind. And this is very important. The second thing, is real easy and it's more asking so ask a series of questions on how you can be of service and value ask a series of questions on who can help you there's two types of people that can help you i believe everyone in the world is one of these types of people there's sponsors which are people that know someone that can help you and then there's power sponsors someone that can help you and know somebody that can help you the third thing is really important 
and it's time, uh, student of your calendar. I believe what you pay attention to and you give intention to equals the coincidences in our lives, regardless of what's extraneous to us. So studying your calendar, paying attention and giving intention to those coincidences of what you have planned. So either have a set routine or an adaptive routine according to your values, but that routine will dictate what you have planned and then study that, then study what you don't have planned, meaning there's empty space, there's white space, there's you know this non-planned things in your calendar. A lot of people have a big portion of their calendars that look this way. It's so divergent because I have one sector of people that I coach that are like, Dave, I have no white space in my calendar. Everything, oh my God, I've never had so much planned in my life. And then there's other people like, Dave, I have nothing to do. Hmm. Uh, and so we need but to- why do, you th- why do you think that is? Why do you think that some people are just overloaded? Is it because they don't know how to say no or are they truly just busy and the people who don't have a lot on their calendar are- maybe putting off what they could do today to tomorrow because of this uncertainty? Like, what are you seeing? I see the people that uh, have a lot to do have uh, accelerated certain portions of their previous activities and find that uh, some new source, a well of opportunity. And so they become overloaded at first because they didn't know how long this would last. And so they have so much opportunity. They took it all in because they had this fragmented section of time. Uh, The people uh, who uh, don't have anything to do usually have some sort of major restart. So they don't have as many options. Uh, You know, I've been uh, throughout my life, someone that believes in the most important thing I can do is always have options, Hmm. whether it's in investing, whether it's in, you know, dating, whatever it was, I wanted to keep my options open because what I learned was the more options we have, the smarter you look. Uh, So if I was investing in 10 companies, you know, a million dollars each and nine of them, you know, lost all million, but one of them made 20 million. I was net up 10 million and everyone thought I was a genius, even though I was one for 10. Uh, <laughs> and the same hold true about dating. I found one perfect woman for me and uh, God knows how many rejections I got. So keeping my options open uh, really has helped me. And I think a lot of people don't have a lot of options. They have you know, been set in a certain circumstance. They weren't really enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential. And now they're stuck because they have to develop skills. They have to acquire knowledge. They have to even sometimes start the process of being inspired or even motivated. Motivates the precursor to inspiration. Motivation is temporary, but at least it gets you started. Inspiration will get you there. So there's a lot of people uh, that haven't done the work in order to effectuate, you know, being overloaded and having, you know, the blessing of having too much to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think now more than ever, you have to be somewhat, um, well, you have to be able to pivot. We've heard that word maybe more than we've ever wanted to hear, hear the word, but it's true. <laughs> and I think as entrepreneurs, it's just, it's inherent in our DNA to do that because you won't survive otherwise. Um, and I think, you know, being busy is different than being productive. So, you know, how do we how do we avoid the busy stuff that maybe takes away from our happiness? Because I think, you know, we are all trying to find what our place is in this new reality and the new reality is not going away. I don't think, I mean, I think this is, this is a global situation now that has created a new normal that maybe will change a little bit, but I think we'll always have that in our near understanding anyways. Um, 
how do you think people will differentiate between what really is productive and advancing them versus just doing stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, having a lens of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, uh, that's a kaleidoscope that I look at things with. So looking at things, number one, is activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. Mm-hmm. understanding, like I said, the adaptable routine that's based off of your values. So for me, what really helps is the kaleidoscope of looking at things of how productive am I, meaning what service or value am I providing, but also how accessible am I, how accessible to the people that I'm most important to, and how am I accessing what I want, and then finally having that kaleidoscope, the last lens of, of gratitude, all contingent on, to, to me, my values, which is, number one, my health. Uh, so hmm. about two and a half years ago, I know this is aligned completely with you, Marie. I, like I put my family first and the activity I got paid for a second. And what I learned was that people who put their family first and activity they get paid for a second rarely have time to take care of themselves because there's always more time with the family and it's so enjoyable and there's always more time to make more money. And so for me, when my wife told me and I asked her what I could do for her, and she said, the number one thing you can do for me is take care of yourself. Because if you take care of yourself, you'll be able to take care of others. And I know you will. So number one was my health. Two was my family. And then three activity I got paid for. When you start prioritizing by your values, you can see where your time uh, is not productive. And I'm not saying that visiting isn't productive time, but there's certain times during the day that are for visiting and certain mm-hmm. people that are meant for visiting. Other people are meant to keep efficiently to get a product or a service uh, executed on. And so I'm very, very conscious of my time. Uh, I have beat people and been successful and happy and peaceful because of the way that I look at time. I look at time with not only productivity, but efficiency and effectiveness. I've always have it is the reason I was a millionaire nine months out of law school is I reversed engineered productivity to 64 hours a day, eight, you know, seven days a week. So I was, I was actively making money 56 productive days a week. And uh, so it made it very easy to blow out my comp plan in my first job out of law school. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, say that again. You were productive how many days? 56 days. So what I did uh, out of law school, my main goal in life was to be rich so I could buy my mom a house and a car. What I looked at it and said, most people are productive eight hours a day. I was going to be productive 16 hours a day. And then I was going to create efficiency. So I looked at things to save initially every, anything I could save at least four minutes on. Uh, four minutes a day was 24 hours of productivity a year. Uh, I learned like putting things in a certain spot. Most people spend 80 hours a year looking for things. So I could save 10 days of productivity uh, simply. But if I created efficiency so that I could be twice as efficient in what I was doing, my 16 hours of productivity became 32 hours of productivity a day. And then I developed skills and acquired knowledge and practice my skill of selling at the time. That's what I was doing, selling legal research and online after law school. I could become twice as statistically successful. So in 10, in 10 uh, sales calls, uh, most people would, would take me half as much time to do them. But if an average person would sell two people, I would be able to sell four, which gave me 64 hours of productivity a day. Uh, now, I, I also separated, I have a philosophy of that nobody loves everything that they do. They love a percentage of what they do. So I told myself that I was gonna spend time learning to love 100% of what I did, 
which allowed me to separate things as activity I got paid for and activity I didn't. I didn't believe in work. So I took vacation every day, but I had activity I got paid for every day. So seven days a week times eight days of productivity a day was 56 days of productivity. Every single week, people were working five days, eight hours. I was working 56 of the same amount of productivity. So I could do 56 days of productivity when everyone else was doing five days. So it was basically when I made a million dollars nine months out of law school and they said I blew out my comp plan, I said, not really. I just was uh, focused 10 years over nine months. I did 10 years of productivity in nine months. Wow. So, so short-term pain for long-term gain, I guess you could say. Or you could say that, you know, I was able to understand that the pain itself, I enjoyed the consistent, persistent pursuit. I learned to love Mm -hmm. uh, and create and know that pain is just a result of not learning lessons. And so when pain's apparent in my life, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual pain, I know that it's just a lesson that I'm supposed to learn and it'll go away when I learn the lesson. So I get excited about learning the lesson. I find the light, love and lessons in everything. That's my perspective, which allows me, right, to learn to love what I do. I love that. And I, I do believe in all of this, even in the crisis that we're facing right now, there's, there's lessons that we're learning every hour of every day. What, what do you think, um, you know, applying the steps that you've outlined, what do you think stumps people the most? You know, for sure, it's consistency. People, the ego uh, is like clouds to the sun, right? If, if we're a big solar battery, uh, that's supposed to receive all the energy, power, and light of the sun and lessons of the sun. And not only are we a battery that can store that energy, but we can appreciate it, add value to it, and give it out to everybody else. For sure, consistency. You know, it is so difficult for people to do things every day, and they lose the exponential exponentiality of doing things consistently. The whole conscious, subconscious, and unconscious realm works through consistent behavior, and that's where that exponentiality comes into play, the expansion, the accelerated growth. People just let their ego get in their way, and they, I, I have challenged people to change their life. I said, you want to change your life? Say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. It's a 30-day gratitude challenge. If you do that, I guarantee at a quantum level, you will change your life. You will create unbelievable change in your life. It's physically, metaphysically, quantum physically proven. The great thought leaders of all time and every, every Bible that has been written has told you the power of gratitude. I personally, I was on stages teaching this. I personally took nine months before I could do that every single day, morning and night for 30 days. Mm. It took me, and I'm teaching it. Yeah. We, we are so far in our own way. We create these corrosions, interference, void shortages, and obstacles to the truth. And we make every excuse, blame, shame, and justification of why we can't do something. And obviously, in your field, I believe in nutrition, in health, and wellness, that that's the most difficult challenge people have. It's not that there's many systems that don't, that, that there's so many systems that will work. It's that can they consistently with one. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, and, and blame, shame, obstacles, all of the things that you just said, it's such human nature. And I think when we're under duress, add to the, add to that, you know, that, that, um, that shift in mindset where you're not really thinking as clearly because you're in fight or flight mode and it, it's even worse, you know? And so I think consistency can feel overwhelming to some, but you breaking it down into a step 
and I always say one bite at a time, you know, is there a way that you encourage people to just take that one step at a time and not feel overwhelmed? Yeah. So, you know, you said, said one bite at a time, lowering the bar certainly helps, but I think just having the perspective of what four things that we can always be certain of, meaning we always have control of four things. So when we feel out of control or uncertain or scared or angry or you know guilty or resentful or offended or separate or inferior, superior, anxious, fearful, any of these feelings, I go to teach people, look, the first step is to stop and think about what I can control. There's four things. One, my mindset. Two, my feelings. Three, what I say and what I hear. And four, what I do. And so if I take that control and certainty of what I can do, then I can take those bites like you're saying and say, well, today, this is going to be my you know, mindset. I'm going to try, when I feel scared, instead of accelerating in the wrong direction, I'm going to stop and I'm going to breathe deep through my mouth, nose and out through my mouth. I'm try to take maybe six deep breaths of Buddha uh, and see how I feel. Like one simple step. And then, you know, I'm going to turn the TV off. When I get sick and tired of hearing all the depression, anxiety, and fear, I'm going to actually control what I hear. I'm going to turn the TV off. If I want to know information, I'm going to go seek it. I know there's stable data that I need for my personal and professional life, but I'm going to seek it. I don't need to hear it all day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell people to stop if they start with attacking thoughts and voids and shortages. I don't, I'm not going to vote for what I don't want. There's all types of little baby steps, but I think it starts with knowing at least what you have control of and, and what you're certain of, your mindset, your feelings, what you say and what you hear, and of course, what we do. This is so practical. And I think, you know, for me too, it's focusing on who I'm serving. You know, my BHAG from the very beginning was creating stability for my two kids as a single mom. You know, now that I am married and our family has expanded, you know, we have more people that rely on us to show up every day. And showing up is not just financial, it's well being, it's how we are so that they model good behavior. Do you ever have days where you wake up and you're just like, I don't feel like being a model for my family? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's normal, it's human. And how do you get past that? Because I know you, you get past it. Yeah, so I am in a practice of that. So I have moments, very rarely is the moment when I wake up because my entire day is focused on waking up tomorrow morning at the highest frequency. Uh, so I try to avoid what most people fall into with, is that myth of Sisyphus where you wake up every day to pull, you know, push the big uh, crater up to the top of the hill just to have it be at the bottom of the hill when you wake up the next morning. Uh, but I have moments. Um, they used to be years and then they became, you know, months and then they became weeks and days and hours and minutes. And now I have moments because I have practiced what I call getting back to center. And number one, I practice identifying what it is that causes that separation, how to react when the separation occurs through stop dropping and rolling, and then what behavior it is to get myself to my baseline that I identified at the beginning of the day, that highest frequency, my higher vibration, my best self, uh, which is the starting point of my life. The philosophy of my life is I only get one action uh, in a day, and that's the very first thing I do, which is to find my highest frequency because mm. everything from that point is a reaction. And so where everyone else is trying to control the actions, 
I actually focused in on how do I react to things, knowing the four certainties in my life, but also knowing my highest frequency. So under my philosophy or perspective is if I only have one action, it better be the highest frequency so I can plateau and grow and not live in, in the respect of this myth of Sisyphus that most people spend their whole life on the treadmill, on the gerbil hamster trail of just continually doing the same thing again and again and again at the same frequency, the same temperature. Is there an activity that you defer to when you feel like you need to get out of a funk? Yeah, a meditation for me. So, um, you know, it's, but it's a practice. I, I was the biggest anti-meditator in the world. The only reason I got involved with meditation is the lady that taught me said she could raise my awareness. And I still said, so what? Until she said, <laughs> she literally said, I can change your awareness of when to buy or sell. And uh, I was so lost and closed minded in a world of just enough. I'm like, okay, I'll learn meditation if I can make more money. Uh, but it evolved, it evolved over 13 years into a true practice of being at central, understanding allowance and neutrality, uh, being in the flow, knowing and being certain that I'm connected to a great source of light, love and lessons and power, an extraordinary source and that I need to figure out how to clear the clouds between me and the sun to mm. create less interference, less corrosion between this unbelievable source of inspiration that I'm supposed to take in, appreciate and share with others. Uh, and that's my main mission as well. So, but I do have moments. I'm human. I'm a hypocrite. I make huge mistakes. Uh, luckily, most of the time, on average, it takes me moments to get back to center. Hmm. I, I, you have so many great quips and great, like, just hacks. And I, I really want everybody to come find you. Where's the best place for them to hang out with David? Oh, that's awesome. I. I do a free training every Friday. So the best way is to just find me at David Meltzer, LinkedIn, YouTube, David Meltzer. I do have a text community, 949-298-2905. But I encourage everyone, I do free everything. I get my books for free. I do, this week is Road to Revenue, The Habit uh, Machine. I'm going to teach how to build a habit machine. So it doesn't matter what people tell you, you'll be able to effectuate those habits. I love that. And we will definitely include all of that information in the show notes for everybody to grab. One last question as we wrap up our very valuable time together is I want to know what is your favorite meal? And if you could have it created by anybody, who would it be? <laughs> oh my gosh. We have to wrap my, up with food. That's so good. I love that. Um, wow. I, my favorite meal still probably has to be a hamburger. Uh, I'm, I just, I probably have a, a emotional issues with it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would have a hamburger over anything. And if I could have anyone make it for me, uh, it'd be Ray Kroc. <laughs> I, really? I, I think he's an extraordinary entrepreneur. I have so many questions how he could take somebody else's idea and become a billionaire off of somebody else's idea. So it's the ultimate happy meal. Yeah, the ultimate happy meal. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> David, thank you so much for your time and for your passion for this pursuit of happiness. You really have inspired me to think about how I show up every day and what I do and what I reach for and what I don't pay attention to. And I think we all have it in us to follow that path. Um, we're being bombarded with a lot of things, but it's our choice. Absolutely. Happiness is the pursuit and it's the 
most powerful virus. It's shared by just witnessing it and it strengthens our immune system. So I appreciate you giving me a platform to share my happiness and hopefully a little bit of wisdom to help other people be happy. Thank and you so I, much. I'm coming into your training. <laughs> All right, anytime. Thank you. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.